Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, good morning. How about Aaron Judge? We're going to talk about him not only as a player, but as the best role model in sports right now. You know what I like about Eric Judge? He's not all about himself. I mean, dude for the Colts makes a first down, down 24 to nothing, and he starts pointing acting like a damn fool. Hey, welcome. How are you? Today is the why edition of Don't At Me. You know, there's a saying, never complain and never explain. And I like, I like it. Don't be whining and moaning. See what I did there, Meg? Don't be doing it. Don't be explaining yourself when you know you're right. There's no reason to do any of that. Never complain and never explain. But I got to ask why. Why Jeffrey Miller, 51 years old. You're at the freak. You're 51, by the way. You're at the Cleveland Browns game. The Cleveland Browns have a crushing loss. All right, we get it, right? They're up. They're down. The kicker misses an extra point. Nick Chubb runs it in the end zone. I'm going to get to that in a second. But let me ask you a question. Those of you that are out there, have any of you ever thought, oh, man, there's the owner. I'm going to throw a bottle at the owner. Can anybody explain that to me? Like, I look on social media, and all I see is fights and people jumping over counters and fan arrested for throwing a bottle at the owner of the Cleveland Browns, Jimmy Haslam. Will you please give me an answer as to why? I get it. You're drunk. Okay, people are drunk. Big deal. You're drunk. I was drunk. All right. You're dr- but, but what in your brain switches on and says, I've got to fire a bottle at another human being, potentially killing that human being? I mean, let's be honest. You don't know. You don't know if a bottle hits somebody in the head what's going to happen. You have no idea. Zero, zip, none, not even a little. So why, why, why would football make you that mad? I get it. I've been mad twice, basically, with the Colts watching. One time, when uh, what's his face, Andrew Luck retired. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm gonna throw a bottle. I got mad when they decided to pull Peyton Manning, put in Curtis Painter against the Jets in the second half thereby ruining the chances of an undefeated season. But I never even thought of throwing something. This is the why edition. Those of you that are out there, and it is my daily speech to America, have you ever seriously had the urge to fire a bottle at anybody when you are at a a basketball, football, baseball game? I haven't, and I don't understand it. And this dude gets arrested, this Jeffrey Miller. It's not like he's some 20-year-old college kid that's all hepped up on stuff he's not ready for. He's a 51-year-old dude that drinks beers at football games. I don't get it. 
I think it's a big deal because I've seen a nation out of control. I've seen people fighting literally every day. All you got to do is turn on the clown show at clown show on Twitter. You want to see maniacs every day doing stupid stuff? There it is. Jumping over counters at McDonald's. I've never seen so many people want to eat Big Macs. I never seen so many people after a quarter pounder or a McFlurry, but we're fighting over the counters at McDonald's. What in the Sam and Henry are we doing? I'll tell you what else. Why do we discuss? And I'll give you the numbers. Why do we discuss so earnestly the MVP of the NFL after two weeks? I'll give you the numbers. Pretty good numbers here. Plus 350, Josh Allen. Plus 600, Patrick Mahomes. Plus 800, great value. Bet 100, you win 800 on Jalen Hurts. Plus 1,000 on Justin Herbert. I get it. In this world, and myself included, I've got content I've got to fill for five hours. I do. And maybe, just maybe, in the NFL, having this discussion on MVP two weeks in makes sense, seeing as though there are only 17 games. But here's what I always say about the NFL. One hit, one tackle, one bad step, and you're Bo Jackson. Do yourself a favor. Learn about Bo Jackson. All right, Bo Jackson may be the greatest physical specimen athlete. And here's what I mean by that. There have been guys taller. There have been guys faster. Maybe not more powerful when you combine the three, but he's right there. But then you combine the hand-eye coordination to hit a baseball 100 miles. Then you combine the smarts to understand how to really play a couple of sports, not just one, but two, and really know how to play it. Deion Sanders and Bo Jackson are the cream of the crop. They just are. When you combine everything, speed and quickness and strength and power and smarts and enthusiasm, whatever. But watch Bo Jackson's injury. Bo Jackson got injured on just a random play. And his career was over. His hip got dislodged. It was an awkward fall. Next thing you know, no more Bo. Bo don't know. And he's done playing. I always say this about Dale Earnhardt. Like, I follow racing. I have a show in Indy. So what do you think I do in the month of May? I follow racing. Actually, I follow racing. I kind of enjoy it. I don't set my day around it. But if an IndyCar race is on, I'll watch it. I like IndyCar. It's all right. I like the drivers. They're cool dudes. So Dale Earnhardt Jr., it was stock cars. I get it. He gets in a crash, and it just looks like another crash. Nothing near what we see, flipping over all that stuff, and he's dead. So I always think about football, and I always think about racing with Bo Jackson and Dale Earnhardt in mind. How dangerous is it, man? It's incredibly dangerous. So we got MVP votes, but we all know it's one step. One step, and you're done. Seriously, Google Bo Jackson. Do yourself, do it. You'll be, you'll be fascinated, and you'll say to yourself, wait a second. This is the best athlete ever, yes. Maybe the smartest athlete ever in terms of both on the field and off the field, yes. And that's how his career ended? Yes. Football is amazing. Maybe I have too much respect for football players. I think I do. I do. I, I think I just have too much respect. Like, like, to me, voting for MVP right now 
just doesn't make any sense. Doesn't mean it's wrong. But I see it, and I know we all have to fill. I know we do. We all got to fill time, right? I mean, we all got to fill it up. But man, oh man, oh man. Bo Jackson, Dale Earnhardt, mm, all right? Why? Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb, there is absolutely, positively zero reason for Nick Chubb to apologize for scoring a touchdown. None. Zero. Zip. Nada. Don't even try it. No. No, 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 no. No. No, no. You scored a touchdown. You went up. You took your team and gave them the opportunity to go up 14 points with two minutes to go. Yes, I understand the analytics of it. Yes, I do. I totally get it. But under no circumstances are you to apologize for this. None. Zero. Not even a little bit. No, Nick Chubb. No. You didn't do nothing wrong. You did nothing wrong. You scored a touchdown. Period. You put your team up 14. If your team can't handle a 14-point lead, 14 with a minute and a half to two minutes to go, I don't know what to tell you. But Nick Chubb felt it in his, because he's a great dude, he felt like he needed to apologize. No. App, why? That, I'm sorry, today is the why edition. Why are you apologizing? There is no reason. None. Now, the YouTube chat is already rocking and rolling today. And, of course, a guy says, I like a guy named Chubb. I know you do. I know, and I know why. So the headline is, Nick Chubb admits error costs team victory. No. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have scored. Looking back, it cost us the game. A lot of things went wrong, not just one thing. But collectively, as a unit, as a team, we all could have done things differently. But it's only a problem because we didn't win. I probably should have went down. No. At the, end of the, at the end of the day, I've been in that situation. I really can't put it on anybody but myself. I think the biggest thing, I was aware of what was going on. I thought the game was over, if I'm being honest. Absolutely. Look, you're the Cleveland Browns. And I'm sorry to say this, El Presidente, on our chat. But you Cleveland Browns them. You scored to go 14 points up. I get it. You don't score. You run the clock, that kind of thing. Fine. But what happens if a bad snap? I don't know. I always thought scoring was pretty smart. Not all the time. But in this case, my God, you're up 14. Don't apologize. Don't do it. Don't think about doing it. No. To quote me, oh, hell no. No, no, and why do it? You know, here's the deal, okay? Coaches make mistakes when they say, well, this is totally on me. That guy, that interim coach at Nebraska, that Joseph guy, he's like, well, you know, we weren't ready. We got pounded by Oklahoma. It's on me. Never, ever do that as a coach. Never. Never. The media will do it anyway. Put doubt in people's minds that you were the most prepared. I did it once against Michigan State when I was interim coach of Indiana because I thought I was protecting my players. Players that get their brains beat out are basically jerks anyway. They're basically not with you anyway. 
So there's no reason to throw yourself under the bus. You think you're doing the players a favor. No, you're not. Uh-uh. I was going to swear, but I promised Meg I wouldn't. Oh, hell no. Right, fantasy owners are happy that Chubb scored. You know who fantasy owners aren't happy with, apparently? But again, don't apologize. Leonard Fournette. True story. I'm doing fantasy football. I don't know how to pick a player in this league. So I say Joe Mixon, but it goes to a group chat. It's not my pick. I don't know. They pick Leonard Fournette for me. They being the uh, uh, the auto pick. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. The auto pick, pick Leonard Fournette. All right, fine. Only thing I know about Leonard Fournette is that he showed up fat to training camp. That's all I know. I haven't paid attention to Leonard Fournette. I remember when he was in college, he was supposed to be the next big thing at LSU, but that didn't go anywhere, and he ended up doing whatever star players do that really aren't invested in college. He, he walked away, whatever. All right, so what does Leonard Fournette do? Leonard Fournette decides he's going to apologize to guys like me. Don't apologize to guys like me. Why? Why do it? Well, you know, I'm having a good year. He's in the top five in rushing, but he's not getting in the end zone. And, of course, we're not called, uh, what? We're not called owners. That's racist. We're called managers. So, apparently, I'm a fantasy manager. Whatever. The deal is this. Why apologize? He says, touchdowns are coming soon. Touchdowns are coming soon, Leonard Fournette. Well, let me tell you. Let me go... Let me go fantasy owner guy. Yeah, they better be, man. Yeah, they better be. You better score some touchdowns, man. To my fantasy owners, Leonard Fournette put on Twitter, I'm sorry, touchdowns coming soon. He hasn't scored yet. He ran for 127 yards in week one, 65 in week two. He scored 23.1 fantasy points on the season. 15th at running backs. All right. Score some damn touchdowns. Maybe I won't lose in the closest fantasy game on OutKick, maybe in OutKick history this week. Score a damn touchdown. Hey, you brought it up. I wouldn't have even cared. But you brought it up, Leonard Fournette. You brought it up. You said to me, touchdown's coming soon. I'm going to hold you to that. How am I going to hold them to that? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. But I know this. I like his moxie. I like the fact that Fournette spoke directly to me. This guy right here. Touchdown's coming soon. Hey, if I'm Tom Brady, here's what I'm doing. This is true. This is what I would do. I'd say, Leonard, I'm getting you the ball next time we're by the end zone. Because I want my players, when I'm Tom Brady to feel like I have their back and I want them to be successful. So if I'm Brady, I'm like, look, man, I don't care what they call. It does not matter to me what Byron Leftwich calls. I'm giving you the pill and you're going to score and we're going to follow up on what you said. I'm going to make you look good and I don't care what happens. That's what Tom Brady's going to do. So I'm telling you right now, ladies and gentlemen, that's right. 
We're going to have a whole lot of Leonard Fournette in our fantasy game this week, and I ain't even going to be mad about But why apologize? Why? Can you please tell me? Anyone? Please tell me. A lot of smart fantasy players just picked up Cole Beasley. Colts, my Colts, picked up some tight end that's played in two total games in his career. The pay, or the uh, Bucks picked up Cole frickin' Beasley. Who wants to win? Yeah, people say, well, maybe Cole Beasley didn't want to go to the Colts. Maybe not. I don't know. But who's trying to win? Uh, let me divert here from what I'm normally talking about. I give a rundown, but let me divert. The old way in the NFL, this drives me nuts, is not inside out. It's outside in. Why do you think all of a sudden the game Miami against Buffalo is a big game? You think it's because it's three yards in a cloud of dust coming up? You think that all of a sudden, hey, man, we got Zonka and Kick, and they got Thurman Thomas? No. Stephon Diggs, Jalen Waddell, Tariq Hill. Are you kidding me? Are you out of your mind? That's why it's a big game. That's why things are rocking and rolling. It's not because of the run game. It's outside in. Here in Indy, we live, we play in a dome, a dome. And we got to be among the slowest teams in the NFL. Jonathan Taylor not included. In fact, Jonathan Taylor not included, we got to be the slowest team in the NFL. And yeah, I said we because I've been a season ticket holder. Drive you nuts. Who's trying to win? What did the Rams do last year? They said, all right, we're going to pick up this guy. All right, we're going to pick up that guy. All right, next thing you know, Von Miller. And next thing you know, OBJ are wreaking havoc. Those of you on the YouTube chat, those of you watching here, if your team isn't picking up guys, I wouldn't be happy with them. And I ain't happy with them. I'm a little disgusted with my guys. I am. I'm a little disgusted. Cole Beasley gets picked up, but you couldn't have Cole Beasley here in Indy. You know why? Because he's not vaccinated. Bah. Vaccinated, schmaccinated. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it happens every single time. Every time. Every time Camilla Harris gets in front of a microphone, I ask one simple question. Why? Why in two parts? Why are people allowing this person to speak publicly? And the second part is actually entwined with the first part. Why doesn't she prepare when she gives a speech? If she has a speechwriter and I am that speechwriter, I'm walking out. You're making me look like a damn fool. You're making me look like a dumb blank. You're making me look like an idiot. I don't want to look like an idiot. I don't want to be a pirate. That's a Jerry Seinfeld reference. Seriously, let's hear from our resident one step, ladies and gentlemen, one step away. Now, I want to say this again. One step away from the presidency, from being the most powerful person in the world. This person is Camilla Harris. Let's hear from the vice president about community. 
So we invested an additional $12 billion into community banks because we know community banks are in the community and understand the needs and desires of that community as well as the talent and capacity of community. I don't know. I don't know. I hate to be the guy that continually oversells this. I hate to be the guy that continue makes fun of this, but it's so easy. When you give a speech, and a lot of you out there have given speeches, right? You've had to give a speech at a Kiwanis Club. Maybe you've had to speak in front of maybe five people in your business. Maybe you've had to speak in front of thousands. I don't know. But whenever you give a speech, you have to prepare a little bit because when you don't prepare, it becomes that right there. It becomes you get stuck on the same words, or in this case, word. What was the word of the day? Community. It's a community bank. We love our community. We know, oh, geez. And I'm not going to lie to you. I know we talked about this last week. I know, but it frustrates me. It frustrates me when we have public officials that are so, what's the right word, disingenuous about you and me that they don't even take the time to prepare when they know in this day and age every single thing that you say can be and probably will be repeated somewhere down the line. Like, after this show, there's a group that watches media. It's Barrett Sports Media, and it's really good. Barrett Sports Media is fantastic. All right. Well, I don't know how many times a week, but early in this show, actually as recently as a month ago in this show, Barrett Sports Media basically took and made an article off of everything said on this show. Not everything, but the highlights of this show. So you know when you're doing something that, hey, look, there are people out there that are going to listen, pay attention, and write about it, talk about it, show it. So at least have enough respect as the vice frickin' president of the United States to not be this. Can we play this again, please? I haven't even gotten So we invested an additional $12 billion into community banks because we know community banks are in the community and understand the needs and desires of that community as well as the talent and capacity of community. (laughs) And it's not only the getting stuck. It's not. It, It isn't. It's the simpleton. Like, she's smart, right? Didn't she go to law school? Wasn't she a prosecutor? Didn't she put, like, everybody that smoked an ounce of weed in jail for, like, life? Isn't that who she is? But, man, oh, man. Well, community banks are in the community. Really? I thought they were outside playing football. It is absolutely amazing to me. It's sad to me. And, oh, by the way, it doesn't give me great joy to play this. Hell, we could do a whole show on Biden's disastrous 60 Minutes interview where he couldn't even explain how he thinks cognitively he's okay. Couldn't even explain it. 
Last thing for the morning thing. Don't at me about this. I believe this, and I'm going to get into this in a little bit, but I believe there is no better role model in sports right now, right now, than Aaron Judge. I would rather listen to Aaron Judge than Tom Brady today, tomorrow, or the next day, or anybody in the NBA. I don't want to listen to LeBron James. LeBron James is moving into Tom Brady, George W. Bush, Barack Obama territory in that when he speaks, I got no interest in listening. Zero zip. In fact, whatever that commercially does for AT&T, I think I'm going to go get it. Well, I already do, so never mind. If he endorses it, I may go the other way. I'm so tired of him. But when Aaron Judge speaks, I listen. Aaron Judge yesterday took a curtain call after hitting his 60th home run. Did you know that only Ruth, only Maris, only Judge have hit 60 home runs in the American League? Did you know this? Now, the roided up guys... They did it in the National League, Sosa and Bonds and McGuire. Those clowns, they did it then. But I got to tell you, what Aaron Judge is doing is unbelievable. And then to watch him not talk about himself, watch him go about his business every single day in a manner with which brings respect and honor, not only to the Yankees, not only to himself, but to baseball, not only that, but sports in general. It's fun. It's absolutely a blast to watch. And lastly, this dude bet on himself. This guy said, I'm not signing this deal. I can get more money. I'm betting on myself, and he's having a historic year. Now, here's my thought on it. I'm a Cub fan. Look, I would love to see Aaron Judge. Pay him whatever. You're a billionaire, Ricketts. Pay him whatever. Don't care. Pay him. But I don't want to see him leave New York. And if I were Aaron Judge, no chance in holy heck I'm leaving New York. Not a single chance. Why? Because New York is where it's at in baseball. On my drive home, I do a couple things. I flip around channels. And one of the guys I listen to is Mad Dog Russo. Mad Dog Sports Radio. And I told my wife, I go, you know, different cities are interesting with sports talk radio. Indianapolis isn't a college football town. Birmingham is a college football town. It's the best college football market in the country. Indianapolis, if I talked IU, Purdue, Notre Dame football, nobody would watch, nobody would listen, nobody would do anything. So what do we talk about? We talk about the Colts and Indiana basketball. If the Pacers make the playoffs, maybe a little bit of that. But other than that, everything else I talk about is a waste of time. We've done research on this. Different cities are different. I've always said, if you put Derek Jeter in Kansas City, he's a really good player. He's a great player, but he ain't Derek Jeter. He's not. Sorry. So Mad Dog Russo, when you listen to him, he's talking a lot about baseball And tennis, when the U.S. Open was in New York, he's talking about things that matter to New York. Well, what matters to the biggest city in the country? What matters to the most cosmopolitan city in the world? Baseball. What's the biggest team in baseball? Don't tell me the Mets, because it's not. The Yankees. If I'm Aaron Judge, I'm not moving. In fact, if I'm baseball, I'm helping the freaking Yankees pay for Aaron Judge's salary not to leave. I don't want him gone. Should never leave. And I know most of you don't care about baseball. But if you care even a little bit or you grew up playing, pay attention to Aaron freaking Judge. I'm going to talk more about it coming up here in a little bit. But I'm telling you right now, the dude is special not only because he's hitting a million home runs, but the dude is special 
because he is a freaking humble, great guy in a world of look at me when I get a first down, down 24 to zip against the Jaguars. This must be celebrated. This must be. We may not, we cannot, we should not let this go. This is a moment in history where one man is doing something very few have done, and he's been humble, he's been gracious, he's been respectful, and he's been a freaking stud. Man, oh man, don't let Aaron Judge, don't don't miss this. Tell you what else you don't want to miss. I got a guy, true story. I got a guy that lost a nose ring. You're not going to believe where. My dog's even excited about it. She loves Aaron Judge. We all love Aaron Judge. I got a guy that lost a nose ring for a few months. You're not going to believe where he found it. Stay right here. We'll be right back in two minutes. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, welcome back. It is What the Hell Wednesday. What the hell? Aaron Judge just keeps knocking them out of the park. It's pretty good. All right. Just play the video, will you please, on our beloved president? Just just play it on Joe Biden. I don't know why. So, folks, I will take care of this. I will end this. I will make sure we have a plan. I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm going to shut down the not going to shut down the country. I'm going to shut down the virus. I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm not going to shut down the country, but I'm going to shut down the virus. I'm going to shut down the virus. Well, I'm going to shut down the virus. 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 220,000 Americans dead. You hear nothing else I say tonight. Do this. Look, there is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. Anyone who's responsible for that many deaths should not remain as president of the United States of America. If you're vaccinated, you can be around the vaccinated or unvaccinated people. We're going to protect vaccinated workers from unvaccinated co-workers. The choice is yours. You all made this possible. This is not about freedom or personal choice. You know, it's really sad that we elected this guy, number one. And it's really sad that people kept this guy in office for so long saying these kind of things. I'm going to shut down the virus, and all you got to do is look at those numbers. I mean, when he was saying these things, I understand that when you're him and you're used to appealing and just saying things, that dumbass people will just go, yeah, he's going to do it. But everybody understood. I mean, everybody. How are you shutting down the virus? I didn't shut down anything. 
But people want to believe it for whatever the reason. People say, well, yeah, he's going to shut down the virus. Well, did he? I mean, you saw the numbers right there. That's a whole lot of nothing. And aren't you tired of it? Look, I want him to shut down the virus. I want the virus shut down. I, I don't want, I, you know, are we going to have monkeypox now when we come to the midterms? I mean, what are we going to do? We're talking about lives here. We're talking about American lives here. And instead of having serious people, we have politicians that just say things. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the reasons I came to OutKick is to be able to talk about these things, to be able to show these things. ESPN, you think a guy like me could? No, Stephen A. Smith could. Jalen Rose could. I mean, L. Duncan could. But the reason I came here was because I'm so tired of listening to crap. Voting matters, people. It matters big time. And if you're going to listen to these idiots that continue to just tell you nothing, saying a whole lot of nothing, well, guess what? You're going to keep getting what we're getting, which is a throwback to 1978, 79, when Jimmy Carter was in office and inflation was all the rage, which it is now. War was all the rage, which we're dealing with now. Billions of dollars going to Ukraine for a war that isn't ours. Lying politicians. Jimmy Carter, I've said this before, got elected because he could smile. (laughs) Honest to God, this guy got elected. I don't know how. But just wake the hell up. Man, all right. This is pretty funny. This is actually pretty ironic. So there's something called Beyond Meats, all right? Beyond Meat CEO was arrested for biting a guy's nose, biting a guy's nose near Razorback Stadium. So Razorback Stadium is obviously, guess what? It is where Arkansas plays. So... Dude gets hammered. Dude gets hammered. He's a CEO. All right? His name is Doug Ramsey. So Doug Ramsey goes to a football game. Doug Ramsey was arrested. Listen to this. Terrorist threatening and third-degree battery. It was in a parking garage. There was a disturbance that had happened in the stadium parking garage, and they found two men with bloody faces. (coughs) Ramsey was in the traffic lane attempting to leave. A Subaru inched in front of Ramsey's Bronco, making contact with the front passenger side tire. He got out and punched through the back windshield of the Subaru. The owner of the Subaru got out and stated that Ramsey pulled him in close and started punching him in his body. He then bit the owner of the Subaru's nose ripping the flesh at the top. Ramsey threatened to kill the owner. They had to be separated. That's right. Listen to this. There's a po- it is a um, poultry division. That's what Beyond Meat is. Beyond Meat is a global strategy. It's plant-based meat. And it's trying to become the replacement for meat, for beef, all right? Isn't it ironic that this guy's trying to set a global strategy for not eating meat 
and yet he's biting the guy's meat, his nose in this case. Who knows what else this guy has bitten over time? I don't know. But the world is interesting, isn't it? Isn't it fascinating how these things happen? Like, if you saw this on TV, you would go, stop it. That's dumb. All right. So you're telling me a guy that is the CEO or COO, chief operating officer, of a plant-based meat company bites a guy's nose, which is full, at least in my schnoz, of meat. Maybe it's cartilage. Don't, don't, don't mince words here. You know what you'd say? You'd say, stop it, stupid. You would. You'd say, no, that's too dumb. But it isn't too dumb. People have lost their ever-loving minds, and i got to ask you, why? You want to fight? Fine. But why are we biting faces? Why? Why are we biting men's faces? Why is one... Ah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how, like, terrified the guy must have been? who got bit in the face. Holy cow. This dude bit me in the face. All right. This is from the New York Post. And as soon as I say it's from the New York Post, you guys are going to tell me, well, I don't listen to the New York Post. Well, you should. Because the New York Post actually is unbiased. Page six may be wacky. It may be, but give it a read. It's a great read. It's a great read. The New York Post is a great read every, well, that shows, see, that tells me something about you, Dockage. It does. It does. Absolutely, it does. You couldn't pay me to read the New York Times or the Washington Post. Hell, one of my longtime friends, I don't think he's a friend anymore, John Feinstein's a writer for the Washington Post. You couldn't be more liberal. You couldn't be more slant. I've known the Washington Post and the New York Times as slant for years, so just stop it. So this guy says that he lost his nose ring for five years. Five years. He lost his nose ring. Joey Likens, he said, I've never heard of this before. Really? Really? Five years ago, this dude was in Cincinnati. He had 12 piercings. He he said, I wake up. And my septum piercing was gone. I couldn't find it anywhere. I'd had it pierced for three or four years. I thought maybe I'd swallow it. I looked everywhere. I flipped the bed over. I did everything. He couldn't find the missing horseshoe barbell. He gave up and replaced the nose ring. All right. A few weeks ago, 2.30 in the morning. Why does it always happen at 2.30 in the morning? I guess you're relaxed. But at 2.30 in the morning, this dude is coughing like crazy. He's lost his mind. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? He said, I'll read it here. He was coughing so hard, my back was starting to hurt. I felt like something was blocking my airwaves. He thought he had pneumonia or some other respiratory infected. He went to the hospital. Next thing you know, there it is, right there. You're seeing it on our television, the little horseshoe nose ring. Subsequent x-rays revealed that the ring was lodged in the upper lobe of his left lung. They showed him the x-ray. They said, hey, Joey, this look familiar? Joey's like, hey, that's my ring. You got to be kidding me. 
He thought the ring fell out of his nose while he was sleeping, traveled down his windpipe, ended up in his lung. He said, I've coughed, but I've never thought too much of it. He's just glad it didn't pierce his lung as it could have caused a ton of damage. They put him to sleep. They put a camera down his windpipe with a little grabber, grabbed it, pulled it out, gave it back to him, and he says he will not be wearing that again. So, moral of the story, if you out there have lost any kind of piercing and you just can't find it, go get an x-ray. I mean, makes sense to me. Just go get an x-ray. See what's going on here. You never know. You might find that diamond earring in your stomachy. You may find it in your lungs. Might be in your liver. Don't know. Five years. That's pretty good. All right. This is unbelievable. This is my favorite video of the entire week. I got this. I think Ryan sent this to me. And I think this should be your favorite video, too. Check this out. This is unbelievable. Ah. Ah, no. Oh, oh my oh. God. Two little blonde. That's like a thing. That, that One of those ladies looked like the lady from, what is it, House of Thrones or whatever the heck it is. Man, isn't that what, well, I know this. That's what some guys do when you come in last in your, what's it called, contest, your fantasy contest. That's what you got to do. I couldn't tell whether Arnold was one of three things. Arnold was not impressed, Arnold was impressed, or Arnold was sedated. He looked a little sedated to me. You know, when you're a power lifter all those years, you got aches, you got pains, you got joint pain. I don't know, maybe he was sedated, but he certainly did not change. He looked like Joe Biden not blinking in videos. He looked like Joe going, I don't know where I'm at, and I don't know what I'm saying, but my cognitive abilities are, uh, what are what, what are my cognitive abilities? So a couple of hotties are up there slapping the hell out of themselves. The one gal, can we show that again? I want you to watch the second one. I feel like the second one put a lot of mustard on it. Like, I feel like she didn't mess around. All right, this one, you can't really see her. She's a little mechanical. Watch this. She throws her right shoulder into it. Watch this. And her hip. Watch her hip. Boom! She kind of jumps at it. Oh, man. Seriously. I, I could live a lifetime and never be involved in that. Although I know what the YouTube chat is saying. Hey, man, I'd let those two girls slap me any way they want. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. I know. Uh, you know, I'm a married man. Today's my wife's birthday. I don't, think, uh, I, I don't think Arnold is all that shot in the backside with. I don't think he is. I don't think Arnold was impressed, but I don't care. Why is he even there? Like, like... Arnold, you need money that bad that they want you to show up at a slap fight competition? I mean, the Terminator did okay, right? 
I mean, certainly, you know, you copyrighted, I'll be back. I would think, no. Seems like you would have done that. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, this started way back. This started way back when young boys ate grass and dirt. And then as time came up, we started with, I don't know, liver. And then recently, it was Tide Pods to the point where you guys were eating Tide Pods in numbers where when you went into the CVS and a guy like me just trying to buy Tide Pods because that's what we use for the wash, they were hidden behind a counter because people have decided Tide Pods, ladies and gentlemen, are something to be eaten. Well, now it's this. The FDA has to remind people that cooking chicken with NyQuil is not a great idea. In fact, some would argue NyQuil chicken is a terrible idea. Terrible. Like, if you eat chicken, don't put cough syrup on it. All right? I mean... Whether anyone has actually done this is unclear, but users on TikTok have been sharing and mocking a chicken recipe that calls for you to cook the meat in NyQuil. It's called Sleepy Chicken. Although it's difficult to find content, many videos have shown that TikTok users are doing this. So the FDA had to step in here. The FDA said the challenge sounds silly and unappetizing as it is, but it can also be very unsafe. Boiling a medication can make it more concentrated, change its properties in other ways. Even if you don't eat the chicken, inhaling the medication's vapors while cooking could cause the high levels of the drugs to enter your body, hurt your lungs. Simply put, someone can take a dangerously high amount of the cough and cold medicine without even realizing it. Now, is that a warning or is that enticing to our young millennial dummies that can't wait to get high off of anything? Remember, when you do crack, again, I've never done crack. I've never even smoked weed. But when you do crack, you get a, you get a spoon and you light it. I've seen it in the movies. It boils it, which intensifies it, and then you inject it. There's your crack lesson for the day. You didn't think you were going to get a crack lesson on don't at me, do you? But you got one. So live it, learn it, be it. But you crazy people. So when the FDA says you'll get a higher concentrate of the drug, does that entice? Shouldn't, but I'm guessing it does. I didn't think I would ever have to say this, but kids, let's not do that. Let's not, please Actually, I don't even care what you do, but I feel like I'm supposed to say this. Let's not do that. Let's not put sleepy chicken together. Let's not put NyQuil on our chicken. Can we do that? It, it, can we all, I don't know. Can we make a pact that NyQuil will go for sleeping? Not on chicken. Yeah, and if you put it on chicken, don't be afraid to send a video. Let me know how it's going for you. I don't think it's going great. Hey, the woke are mad. Yeah, they are. The woke are angry, people. They are. They're not happy. No. They're, 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 anytime we heard from last week, 
We heard from Tommy Lauren that, you know what, in New Mexico, the woke are blanked off. I mean, they are blanked off, and they are willing to fight. Our most tolerant aren't feeling very tolerant today. Our most tolerant are feeling sassy. Our most tolerant did not like when Ben Johnson was giving a speech, and Ben Johnson was, oh, I don't know, playing a video of Kamala Harris. So some crazy woke guy, and he comes in. Well, let's show you what crazy woke white guy wanted to do here. Wait for it. There you go. That's the most tolerant of us all. Remember the party of inclusion, the party of, oh, we are tolerant and we love all, unless, of course, you don't think like me. Pistol 18 says, that's the whitest black guy dressed up like a black guy I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, man, I, it's pretty funny. Uh, it really is funny. He seems nice, like the kind of people that you should vote for her. Mm -hmm. They certainly didn't send their best. Well, you know, um, I guess, I guess we're all supposed to just believe, just believe that the liberal mind is the most tolerant of minds. They're accepting, they're welcoming, they want you to say what you need to say because daggone it, we like you. What a bunch of crap. You know, I know, we all know, if you think anywhere, at least even a little bit against the maniacs on the left, that's the kind of thing that happens. If you think even a little bit Unlike the crazy folks on the left, you get riots, you get crazy, you get an election. We have to board up our streets because the wrong person may win. That's our most tolerant. And I should be doing this because when you do this, then you get to become a liberal president. I'm doing this. I'm going to shut down the virus. <laughs> Come on, man. Hunter Biden's the smartest person I know. All right, man, you Libby's out there, you get angry. I guess, I mean, I don't know, maybe, just maybe, uh, those of us on the conservative side, actually, I'm on neither side. I just watch and react, and I laugh. I do, I just laugh at the stupidity. All right, let's get back to sports here real quick. You ready? Do you know how bad Big Ten football has become? Do you know? how bad it has, the over-under for this game, Iowa and Rutgers, the over-under, not for one team, but for both teams, the over-under, ladies and gentlemen, is 34 and a half. That's how bad this has become. Now, we all know Iowa, the vaunted Hawkeyes, 
Iowa, well, last time, I guess they gave a total of 37 in a bowl game. But this year, they have scored combined, combined. Two teams, one game. South Dakota State, 10 points combined. Iowa State, Iowa, 17 points combined. Nevada, 27 points combined. Combined. Now, they take on the 3-0 Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Rutgers, on the other hand, won 22-21 over Boston College. That's 43 points. Rutgers beat Wagner 66-7. That's 73 points. And Rutgers and Temple. Rutgers won 16-14. That's 30 points. That's the right line. 34 and a half in a college football game where players are making hundreds of thousands of dollars on top of their scholarship. And these guys want paid more? You, Iowa, should have to pay the fans to watch that crap. Think about it. You should have to pay them. Hey, look, I understand. We want you here. You've been loyal. We'll pay you to come to this game. One time only. One shot only. We know we can't fire this coach because he's our guy, Kirk Ferentz. He's a great guy. We know we can't fire him. But we also know you've had to sit through this offensive nightmare. So what we're going to do, we'll give you 10 bucks a man. We'll refund your season ticket for this game, and we'll pay you 10 bucks a person. Bring the family. Family of six, you're getting 60 bucks out of our pocket. And, ladies and gentlemen, if you park at a university parking space, which is normally, what, $20 to $50, free, nothing, zero, zip, nada, nothing. Oh, my God, I did that. Nothing, uh, nothing, zero. I don't know. What can I do? Can I go like this? Is that racist? Can I go like that? Is that? I don't know. Oh, my God. Please don't ban me from Wrigley Field. That's the way it is in Iowa City. 34 and a half. Now, college football, you got to understand, defenses aren't even any good. They stop the clock after first down, so scoring should be up. They do. You get a first down, they stop the clock. Games last longer. There's more plays. If you can't get to 34 and a half, I look over on one sideline and I look over on the other sideline and I say, how many millions of dollars are you paying each sideline to coach football? How many just take offensive football? How many millions of dollars are you paying people to coach offensive football? Man, and you can't get to 34 between the two of you? I think that isn't very good. I don't think that's great. In fact, I would argue that's crap. But, hey, it is what it is. Iowa's rocking and rolling. They got Rutgers, who's 3-0. What are you going to do? DraftKings is what you're going to do. I don't know which way to tell you to bet that. I mean, I'm going to bet the over on it just for the Sam and Henry. I am. I'm just going to bet the over because 34-and-a-half is so ridiculous, you just got to bet it. You do. But... Anyway, new users of DraftKings. Put some money in the account. Go to DraftKings.com. Go to the DraftKings app. Put a little money in the account. Bet $5. You get $200 in free bets. That's pretty good. 
Isn't that pretty good? That's really good. Make sure you do that. DraftKings.com or download the app. Put some money in. Bet $5 right now on a bet. Bet whatever. Get 200 in free bets. Pretty good deal. All right, we'll be right back. Uh, I must discuss baseball. I understand football drives it, but man, oh man, there's some stuff going on in baseball that's really, really cool. We'll get to that when we come back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. You know, baseball is actually rolling. It is. It's actually rolling. And I'm not going to start out talking about baseball. And I got to talk about Aaron Judge. I'm sorry. I just do. Aaron Judge, 60th home run. He is trying, and this is be the first time um, since Miguel Cabrera in 2012. He's trying for a triple crown. Now, I got to tell you, I don't know how you feel about this, but this is kind of fun, and it's mostly fun because it's in New York. If this were in Baltimore, I don't think I would care, but Maris and Ruth and Judge, and this is what's going on right now. So last night, the Pirates apparently are whooping up. They're whooping up. And next thing you know, Judge hits a solo shot. Look at this triple crown numbers. Happy birthday to my wife. Happy birthday to my wife. Lee's bringing me a cup of coffee, and I must say happy seven, ha- happy 27th birthday. You started with a seven. I know I did. I almost said 70. Yeah, baby. We're going out in bikinis and thongs later on today. Anyway, you can go back to the Triple Crown. Look at this. Happy birthday, Lee. The lovely Lee Ross Dawkins. We call her LLRD here in the great state of Indiana, the great city of Indianapolis. The lovely Lee Ross Dawkins. If you want to go on Twitter, please do so. Just look up Lee Dawkins and you'll find her. She looks like Jennifer Aniston. True story. She does. All right. The deal is simple. You ready? Baseball's Triple Crown is freaking awesome, all right? Make no mistake about it. It's awesome. The batting average of 316 isn't the greatest thing ever, but hey, it's the modern era of baseball, right? 60 home runs, as I've said, only three guys, all Yankees, have done it in the history of the American League. But what makes it even cooler, what makes it even better, is the fact that Aaron Judge did two things. And I'm going to keep talking about it. Number one, he bet on himself. Imagine this, and I want you to think about this before you say, well, of course. Imagine you're offered 200 and some million dollars to play a sport in New York as a Yankee. Okay. And you're going to say no to that. Now, hear me out here. In a sport where 162 nights you have the opportunity to tear an ACL, pull a groin, an Achilles, a stomach muscle, uh, oblique, lower leg, anything that you read about you could do that could keep you out, oh, I don't know, 10 days to 60 to a year. But you're going to bet on yourself. Now, I don't think that Judge, if he had a mediocre year, he's not going to have a bad year, but if he had a mediocre year, I don't think the Yankees would have pulled that deal. But I do want to say this. Turning it down. Now, people say you shouldn't do things for money. I go back to 2002. I was a head coach at West Virginia. They were cheating. They were lying. They were doing all these things. I was making about $100,000 as the head coach at Bowling Green. They were going to pay me seven years, $500,000 minimum, incremental bonuses, incremental raises, that kind of thing. And I knew I had to leave. I did. I knew I had to. I couldn't work for these people. But 
when it really came down to it, when it really came down to it, I had to think about saying no to the money. Ultimately, I did. Never looked back, but I had to think about it. That's not 200 and some million, but I got to tell you, as a man with a young family, uh, a young wife with two young kids, you got to think about those things. And as I look back on it now, I'm like, wow, how much money would I have in the bank right now if I would have taken $3.5 million instead of going back to Bowling Green? I got it up to 125, but five years later, I was out looking for a job. Turning down that kind of money, I know we see it all the time. I know we do. Uh, I would, too, when I talk about Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I'm betting on myself. That's fine. But, man, oh, man, when you've got to say no, when you've got to say absolutely, positively no to that kind of money, God bless you, man. Serious business. God bless you. Uh, that is not easy. That will never be easy. There's nothing about that that is easy and nothing about that that will ever be easy and good for Aaron Judge for doing it. I do not know if you have been paying attention, but the New York Mets uh, only lead the Braves by one game. Now, you say to yourself, well, everybody's going to make the playoffs. Maybe so. But for baseball guys like myself – And, oh, by the way, I'm in a couple baseball Hall of Fames. True story. Um, Yeah, winning the division is a big deal. Used to be a bigger deal. You know, the Giants win the pennant, that whole deal. Home run, walk off, Bobby Thompson. Well, that put him in the World Series back in the day. Now you got the West, you got the Century, you got the East, you got two wild cards. 93 and 55 and 95 and 55. Let me give you youngsters, and I'm probably not too many youngsters here, a lesson that my father told me. Late in the season, you look at one thing and one thing only, and that is the the loss column. So basically, in my world, Atlanta and the Mets are tied because they both have double nickels, 55 losses. That's it. They're tied. Last night, something interesting happened. Our friend Jason Benetti, we'll try to get him on maybe on Friday. Maybe he'll do our big interview Friday. Benetti's White Sox, guess what? They lost last night to the Guardians. They're now five games back in the loss column. They're basically done. It's over. Goodbye. The loss column, people, is where it is at. The loss column. That's all you need worry about. You don't need to worry about the win. If you don't win, you ain't winning anyway. But the loss column is the thing, and I got to tell you, it's awesome. Baseball right now is awesome. I don't pretend when the Cubs aren't in it. I don't pretend to walk around and watch baseball every day. But I am now because we're heating up, and I can't wait to see what Aaron Judge does this coming night and next night and the night after and the night after. It's just how I roll. All right, everyone, if you're not on the Aaron Judge watch, jump over to the Albert Pujols watch, but don't even insinuate, not even for a skosh, that Albert Pujols is doing anything relative to roids. True story, yesterday, I just started with a testosterone treatment called Affinity Health. True story. So yesterday, my wife gave me an injection in my stomach, and I took these pills. It's true. 
Uh, I am doing it for a variety of reasons. Not sexually. I'm Eastern European. I don't need it for that. Just stop. I know that's the connotation, but just stop. I didn't say I was getting ED treatments. I said testosterone. So I'm doing this thing for a lot of reasons. One, I'm too fat. Two, my bones hurt. You know, I got to get two knee replacements. I don't want to get two knee replacements. So anyway, I felt like yesterday when my wife, she's like giving me a shot right here. And and by the way, you can't see, but I'm poking at my belly. Not any lower. So get your mind out of the gutter. Anyway, when she was doing it, I thought to myself, huh, wonder if I can go out and hit a few home runs. Yeah. Getting a little testosterone. My buddy Benetti said, what does that mean? You with more testosterone? Are you just going to fire your grill off the top porch into the lake? What are you going to? No. No, I just want to lose weight and feel better. Bobby Carpenter, my man here, he did it. So I'm doing it with this company called Affinity. But anyway, Albert Pujols, maybe he's on testosterone. Maybe he's not. Maybe I don't know. And I don't care. I don't. I want to see Albert Pujols get to 700 home runs. If I'm Albert Pujols and I don't do it this year, I'm playing next year. What's the worst that's going to happen? Nobody can say anything about Albert Pujols. We already saw that. We already saw that people get mad when you say anything about Pujols. Oh, my God, you said something about Pujols? Huh? Of course we're on Pujols' watch. Yeah, we are. 698. I am one of those guys that is, I love records. When I go to a baseball game, I want to see somebody hit four home runs. I want to see a no-hitter. I want to see a perfect game. You name it, I want to see it. That's what I want to see. So I would love to see Pujols hit two more home runs, get to 700. It'd be awesome. It really would. The Oakland A's announced average attendance of 9,925. The Savannah Bananas may draw more than that. The Oakland Athletics need to do one thing and one thing very quickly. Move. Get out. Get gone. Move to Las Vegas. Let's not even mess around. Get yourself a nice dome in Vegas. Build it now. Do yourself a favor, move to Vegas. Look, there's going to be an NBA team in Vegas. There's already an NFL team. There's already a hockey team. What are you doing? Load up the Mayflower, Baltimore Colts style, 1984. Load her up and head to Vegas. Don't even look back. Don't even turn the lights off. Just keep going. Look, it's inevitable. Nobody can sustain a team with 9,925 fans per day. There's nothing interesting. Yes, they made a movie about it a long time ago, Moneyball. Yes, Billy Bean's a stud. Yes, yes, and more yes. But nobody cares. And I mean literally, nobody cares. Hell, remember a few weeks ago? What did we show you? We show a couple in the upper deck stooping inside the ballpark. That's right. They were stooping right there. They weren't in the hotel across like they used to uh, when Toronto played in their other stadium, or maybe they still do. I don't know. These folks were stooping in the ballpark so far away from everyone that nobody knew who the stoopy 
and the stupor were. Nobody knew. Nobody cared. It was too far away. Are you crazy? Stop the stupid or better yet, have stupid night. Put up, I don't know, go Game of Thrones, not Game of Thrones, uh, House of Dragons, have an orgy section. You know what I mean? Put them up there, put up. I mean, if that's what we're going to do, that's what we're going to do. But below 10,000 people to Major League Baseball in a city that has great weather in actually a baseball town? There are very few baseball towns. I would consider the, I don't know, the San Francisco, Oakland, Alameda area kind of a baseball historical town going back to the 70s. And they can't get 10K. Do you remember this? Do you remember when I showed you a a varmint coming through the roof of the press box? Run. Don't look back. Sodom and Gomorrah, you'll turn to stone. Run. Get out of Oakland. Head to Vegas. Figure it out later. They got a minor league park there. Put a roof on it. Start construction right now. It'll be ready for the opening game. Hey, Let somebody else deal with Oakland. Get the hell out of there. What are we doing? Speaking of the Oakland A's, this is near and dear to the hearts of many here at OutKick. This is. This is near and very dear. Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart was my man. I don't have a hat here, but Dave Stewart used to wear a hat that went down like this. Dave Stewart was a tough dude. He had a hat. He would look in on the pitcher. You'd barely see his eyes because his hat was down. And when the postseason came, Dave Stewart was no joke. And I mean no joke. Dave Stewart would come get you. Dave Stewart would hit you. Dave Stewart would throw strikes. Dave Stewart wasn't afraid to throw the ball over the plate. You didn't dare act like a jackass when you hit a home run off Dave Stewart. Because Dave Stewart, you might just get hit. Now, Dave Stewart wants to bring baseball to the area that is near and oh so very dear to the hearts of all of OutKick, and that is Nashville, Tennessee. Now, do I know if Nashville, Tennessee could handle baseball? I feel like they could. I feel like they could. I feel like Dave Stewart, if not him, then who? Honest to God. Um, There is an investment group called Music City Baseball that is working, working hard to bring baseball to Nashville. And there it is, the Nashville Stars. You got it right there. It would be Major League Baseball's first majority black-owned club, and it would be led by Stewart. His nickname was Smoke. He was a bad dude. Anyway, great pitcher. Loved him. Here's the deal. Stewart was an executive with Arizona. He got fired like most guys get fired, and now he's dreaming big, and I like it. I personally would either go to Nashville, where they've always had the Nashville sounds. This is a true story. I got stories. So back in 1982, before most of you were born, uh, I was a freshman at Indiana. We go play in the NCAA tournament at Vanderbilt. And I'll never forget this. We get to our hotel, and there's a bag, you know, and in the bag was some stuff from, like, Nashville. 
Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe there was cookies or candies, but there was a Nashville Sounds hat. I love that Nashville Sounds hat. I did. I wore that in my Gary Country Club hat all across the campus at Indiana University. Nobody else cared, but I did. And I knew the Nashville Sounds were a big deal in Nashville. Nashville's population, like Vegas, is growing like crazy. Why wouldn't you want to have a Major League Baseball franchise in a place with great weather? Now, me personally, I got to have a dome. I'm not going to a baseball game in the middle of that heat in February, or excuse me, in August, July. Hell, I went to the Colts game last year, and I think it was in the end of September, maybe early October. And it was in a Sunday afternoon, and it was hot as the bejesus. No, 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 no. I ain't going unless you got a dome, baby. And you can open that thing up if it gets under 60. But other than that, I need me some AC. I've always said this in my life. I need three things. One, my family. Two, air conditioning. Three, king-size bed. I don't need anything else. I could walk around naked. No problem. I don't need shoes. I could walk around shoeless. I did it once to work. Thought I had shoes in the back. I didn't. That's all I need. But I need air conditioning. So Dave Stewart is trying, and I hope, I hope, I hope that it works out. I really and truly do, because I think those two cities would be terrific for baseball. You know, it is interesting, is it not? It is fascinating when you look at baseball, and all of a sudden you go, wow. Wow. Uh, No Nashville, no Vegas. They should. All right. Let's get back to a little bit of football. When we look at football, I got to ask you a question. Back in, you got to learn from history. Every time I turn on an NFL game or I turn on Sports Center or my morning programming, do you know who I see doing a bunch of ads? The Rams coach, Sean McVay. Hungry man, all these different things. Sean McVay. Now, what do I mean about history? Here's why a lot of people feel like the Chicago Bears back in the 80s didn't have the dynasty that they thought they were going to have. Can I give it to you? I'll tell you why. Because Ditka took all the money. Because Ditka did all the endorsements. Ditka got all the fame. Every time I see Sean McVay doing a commercial and there's not another player in it, there's no Aaron Donald in it, there's no Matt Stafford in it, you know, there's no Von Miller in it, there's none of the guys that were actually on the field winning in it. I think to myself, self, and I go to the beard. How long is this going to fly? How long are players going to be okay with this? Because I'm telling you right now, in the world of Chicago, the Chicago Bears of 1985, 86, 7, 4, you know, that whole era, they won it once. It went downhill because of personal jealousies, and it went downhill, and Ditka has admitted to it. He has admitted to, hey, look, I screwed this up. I got greedy. 
I wanted it all. I'd been in the league for so long that now, you know what? I wanted all the money, and that's a mistake. That's a hell of a mistake. I'm not saying that it isn't different now. I'm not saying that the best players might not say, hey, look, uh, we understand it, man. We make zillions of dollars. All right, maybe, maybe. But I'd also say be careful. Be very, very, very careful. Serious business. Because players are paying attention. They are paying big-time attention. And if you think they're not, you're wrong. If you think they're not watching, well, wait a second here. Uh, why isn't uh, my, uh, why aren't I on a commercial? Why is it our coach? Why is he getting all these things? Huh. I don't understand it. I'm telling you, man. Players pay attention. Now, people on here are saying, well, you know, the Super Bowl shuffle went to the players, and it was a hit. It was a big-time hit. Refrigerator Perry, big-time guy, had a lot of commercials. That's one. McMahon had some. They all had bars. But read about it, learn about it, study it. If I'm McVay and I got to know, hey, this potentially is really Really, really, really bad. Don't do it. Don't fall into the trap. Don't put yourself in that position as a coach. I promise you, it ain't great. You do not want to be the guy that people resent. All right? A couple of other things. Um, this is really sad. This is really sad. A few years ago, a uh, bunch of kids, Jalen Hill, uh, Leangelo Ball, these guys got arrested. They got arrested in China. They were shoplifting. They were on a trip. UCLA went on a trip. My buddy Steve Alford was the coach. They go on this trip. All right. Three guys were told and told and told to don't think you can do whatever you want. Be very careful when you go into stores. Be very careful with how you interact with people. This is not the United States. Well, these three guys went out and apparently they shoplifted and they got put in a Chinese jail. And I've said this before and I'll say this again. Donald Trump basically got them out. Donald Trump through whatever channels he did, however it happened, these guys got out. Brittany Griner is staying in jail and Donald Trump is out. Okay. Donald Trump gives him up. One of the players, Jalen Hill, died yesterday. He died at 22 years old. Honest to God, he died after playing parts of three seasons at UCLA. And he was very open about depression, anxiety. He went missing in Costa Rica. The guy's 22 years old. And by all accounts, a really nice kid. I mean, I did some reading on him this morning. One of his buddies used to pick him up every day, take him to high school. And you know what? Uh... In taking him to high school, he, they talked about life and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, it wasn't great. You know, it's the worst ever when young people die. It is. Now, when I initially saw it, I thought to myself, hey, wait a second here. You know, is this related to COVID? 
Is this related to the vaccine? I don't know. And we'll, we won't know. We won't know whether it's suicide. I don't know what it is, but I know this. I know that a 21-year-old kid who had life handed, I mean, look, I'm not saying his circumstances were handed to him, but at six foot ten, great personality, fantastic basketball player, and a really smart kid, man, you're doing all right. You're doing all right. And I wanted to talk about it this morning because here's the deal. Pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention to the people around you, particularly the young people around you. For whatever the reason, for whatever the reason, young people today are battling things. And maybe it's social media, maybe it's peer pressure, maybe it's we all see a lifestyle that we want, we can't have, but pay attention to your son, pay attention to your daughter, pay attention to your neighbor's kids, pay attention to the little things that people say, look for the signs. I've had depression. I've had real depression. I used to think depression was crap. I used to think it up. And then I started losing as a head coach at Bowling Green. And I knew we couldn't win. I lost my three best players five of my 10 years. I lost my two best players every year my last five years seven of my 10 years at Bowling Green. It got to the point where I literally knew because of who we were playing and who we were playing against, no matter what I did. So it got to the point where I had to sleep on the floor. Don't ask me why. If I slept in a bed, I couldn't get my head off the bed. I couldn't get my head off the pillow. So I'd either sleep on a couch where I just rolled over and hit the ground or I slept on the floor. On road trips, we went over Christmas and won a game at Troy. I Slept on the floor. It's real. It's not just all toughing it out. It's not just all sack up. It's not just all, you know what, you'll be okay. No, no. Do yourself a favor. Pay attention to those around you. And if you see the signs, get them to a doctor. Lexapro, great drug. Every coach you see on television, every golfer is on Lexapro or some form of Lexapro. Hell, I'm on Lexapro. I don't know whether it's any good or not by now. I just know this. I ain't never going back to coaching because I ain't never going back to depression. It's the worst thing ever. It is. And so many people, so many young people are dealing with it. How do older guys deal with it? They hit the bottle, right? And now what guys do? You know what? I need six beers at night. I'm not saying I do. I'm saying that's how older guys deal with it. Young people, man, suicide. <sighs> people actually make suicide packs. Suicide's thrown around like a chicken dinner. It's exa- It's ridiculous. It's idiotic. It's stupid. And I got to tell you, uh, help somebody. I saw that today. I thought I had to talk about it. I'm glad I did. There are all kinds of suicide prevention lines, but get that person in your life to a doctor. Do not listen to them saying, I'm okay. Have difficult conversations. Have really difficult conversations. Have the kind of conversations that no one wants to have, and if you physically have to drag them there, drag them there. Serious, it's, it's the most serious business in this country right now. We got a lot of problems. Suicide, particularly of our young people, is one. Depression, particularly of our young people, is one. We got to. People like us that have been through it, people like us uh, that know stuff. I know that when you get older, 
most folks around this United States ridicule you. They don't want to listen to you until what? Until they have a problem. So be there for someone that has a problem. All right, the best, Bobby Barak, America's Conscious, the best writer in the country, is joining us. He is going to talk about things that nobody wants to talk about. Supply and demand of racism. It's really kind of interesting. It really is. Bobby's stuff is really, really interesting. How the Bush administration uh, tried to intercept ideas. No, I'm not kidding you. Bobby is the best, and you need to pay attention. Racial hysteria. Racial hysteria. Does the supply of racism meet the demand? We'll talk to Bobby about it. You don't want to miss this. Bobby's the best. Be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, I call him America's conscience because in my world, and I pay attention to this, you know, I've always said I'm not a conservative, I'm not a liberal, I just think I'm common sense. In my whole life, I've actually just read and made decisions for myself. But there's one guy in the media that really makes sense to me, and that's Bobby Brack, who is the main man here at Outkick.com, and Bobby is not afraid to discuss real issues honestly, and unfortunately, that makes Bobby unique. It shouldn't be. Bobby, you would think that people would want to discuss important issues honestly, but damn, that is not the case in this world. No, it's it's so true, Um, and I appreciate those kind words. But it's so fascinating um, when I write about these issues. People are so stunned that um, I want to have these conversations. And I just don't get it. Like, I think when you go into this business, you have so few obligations. It's to be curious, ask questions, and get to the truth. And so few people are doing that on all these subjects. No one's exercising curiosity. Nobody really cares about the truth. And I don't think people are asking tough questions. So that's just such a failure of the trade that just is stunning to me because that's the foundation of writing and broadcasting and media in general. And there's a lack of that across the board from every single beat. That's why, you know, people always say you hate the media. I don't hate the media. I disrespect the media. I don't respect them. And it's for exactly that. I studied media when I was in college. They told you, be curious, ask questions, and get to the truth. And don't report something that isn't the truth because your integrity as a reporter is really all that you have. Um, And I get frustrated. I don't see follow-up questions. I see immediate reactions, Bobby. I mean, the, the latest, of course is the Duke deal with the Richardson lady. I mean, everybody just jumped on this. It's almost like a media can't wait for the next racial thing to jump on and then worry about the truth of it later. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that was part of the column I wrote this week. Um, Maybe we'll get into it. But I think what's happening here, Dan, is that the demand for racism outstrips the supply i mean it really goes back to what you learn in economics about how when there's such a demand for something and the supply can't fulfill it all of a sudden that product becomes cheapened and the quality diminishes and in a such a strange way that's what's happening with racial discussions in america that the media politicians athletes entertainers musicians they so badly 
want to find racism, find examples of racism because it benefits them so greatly. But quite frankly, there's not that many examples of macro level racism. White supremacy does not exist across these institutions in America. That's a myth. If you think I'm wrong, I would tell people, give me real examples. There's no real examples anymore of discrimination across the board. So what you have here mostly is racism on the individual level. You have on the micro level, and it goes both ways. You have black people that are racist, white people that are racist, Asian people. It goes all across the board. But what the media and politicians and athletes, entertainers, what they want is they want to talk about institutional racism, where the country is holding people back by their skin color and benefiting other people for their white skin color. None of that is true. It's a politically motivated ruse. So now with them not being able to find examples, you have them going down to exaggerations, um, selective outrage. And what we have in the case of Rachel Richardson and Jesse Smollett and um, the mascot and people putting the okay sign saying that that's a white power sign. That is them stretching so far to find examples that they're desperate, that they are settling for the lowest product on the market just to be able to continue spreading racial hysteria. I think this is one of the biggest problems and issues and stories the society faces right now. Bobby, did you anticipate anybody, you know, I go Jay Billis and ABC, the post, you know, we saw it with the Smollett, with the vice president, the president, everybody, nobody apologizes for these things. I guess the, the, the never complain and never explain uh, adage is in play here. How, how how have we gotten to this point? Yeah, um, you, you, right. Nobody even, forget apologizing, very few places even acknowledged the investigation that found that this was all a lie, that a mentally challenged fan did not yell the N-word as Rachel Richardson and her grandmother, who's really a complicated person, said, um, there is so much advantage to racial hysteria and being a warrior of racism that people are never going to cede an inch of ground in the culture war, Dan. If somebody like an ABC News or Savannah Gunthrie on NBC Today show, if she goes on there and says, yeah, we got this wrong, all of a sudden people think, okay, maybe we shouldn't trust these people on every racial story or maybe we shouldn't trust these people every time they're outraged. So they... And I put this in the piece. They, they want the story now to be believe all self-purported victims of racism or self-reported victims of racism, just like believe all women. So they're never going to admit they're wrong because there's too much to gain from this. So you have, I forget the guy's name, some college basketball analyst saying, well, I still stand with Rachel Richardson, even though the investigation found no evidence. That's him refusing to admit he's wrong because he just sees too much advantage in continuing this narrative and this hoax and this outrage. Um, I, in the middle of the piece, I laid out how much comes benefit from racial hysteria. I mean, think about it, Dan. The reason that places like AT&T can demand anti-white training, the reason that Minneapolis school districts can say, in their new teacher's contract, if you fire teachers or lay off teachers, 
they have to be white. The reason a place like ESPN can treat people differently because of their skin color, the reason that CNN can fire white guys but have to find new places for other hosts of different colors, that's all a byproduct and result of racial hysteria. There's so much riding on the narrative that white supremacy plagues the U.S. society, that these people are so married to this idea that it blinds them to any sort of common sense or reality. Bobby, what happened to Don Lemon? Demoted. (laughs) It's a fantastic story. So, his ratings are so bad in prime time from ten to uh, ten to midnight. He's got like three hundred thousand viewers. There's more people watching uh, SpongeBob at three a.m. So what happened is new management. So there's about five names that everybody knew that, that the new management at CNN wanted to get rid of, like Brian Stelter, uh, Jeffrey Tubin, Tubin, Don Lemon. Well, some of those guys got fired. Lemon got demoted to a morning show. I think this is really about CNN trying to say, hey, we didn't fire Don Lemon. So the New York Times and Washington Post can't say, hey, look at new CNN management's racist. They fired Don Lemon for speaking out against white supremacy. So this is a way for them to say, no, no, we gave him a second chance. We now gave him a morning show, which will fail because nobody actually wants to watch this guy. I mean, this morning show will be even worse than the last one with Brianna Kyler and some other guy no one really knows. But yeah, this is just them giving him a second chance to fail. Something Brian Stelter and Jeffrey Tubin didn't get. They're out the door for uh, their failures and partisanship and lies. So let me got a second chance, but no one really expects this show to last. But by the way, so funny. The day he gets demoted, he goes on TV and says, no, I was not demoted. Anybody saying I was demoted is lying. If you have to say you weren't demoted, you were demoted. It's like the guy in high school who gets dumped by his girlfriend. The next day he comes in and tells everybody, you know, I'm the one that broke up with her. Everybody knows that's not true. That's what's going on with Don Lemon. Yeah, that was me. I didn't, she didn't break up with me. Just because I look like this. I broke up with her, damn it. Uh, uh, Well, you know what? I I did see the thing the other day where Lemon just got absolutely smoked when he was trying to talk about reparations. I'm not going to lie. It's the first time that I'd I'd even seen Don Lemon. I had not even seen the guy. I didn't know know, what all he was about. Hey, uh, Bobby, guy walks in in the middle of a speech and just kicks over a damn projector. Now... This is on the heels, ladies and gentlemen, of Tommy Lauren. What happened here uh, being basically assaulted in uh, uh, New Mexico? Uh, Ben Johnson, Benny Johnson was giving a speech. What happened to our most tolerant? I thought these folks were our most tolerant, our most inclusive. Where are we at here? What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah, so last night, Benny Johnson, who I really like, one of the nicest guys in media, was giving a speech thank you, a college campus for Turning Point USA, Charlie Kirk's organization. He was playing a meme of uh, Kamala Harris, and uh, some crazy nut walked in and started swearing and kicks the projector and starts throwing stuff. This guy just had a total fit because (laughs) Benny Johnson played a video of Kamala Harris. But, yeah, I mean, the people who say they're the most tolerant and peaceful seem to be the most – dare I say, dangerous and violent and exclusive to the rest of society. Um, Pretty interesting development there. A lot of hypocrisy. Uh, 
just like the people uh, who say they're anti-racist often have the most history of using racial slurs, right? So the anti-racists are actually the racist. The peaceful group is actually the most violent. So you can kind of see it all goes back to that um, 1984 book where words don't really matter right now. Um, Pretty much everything people say, the opposite is true. And that video really explains it. By the way, it's such a funny video though, to see that guy just run in there and smash things <laughs> over a video like that. Um, and credit to Betty Johnson for just watching from afar and saying nothing. <laughs> I, I encourage everybody Man. to go watch. <laughs> yeah, we, we showed it earlier. And I mean, we can show it again, but it's the funniest. Like dude just comes in and he is completely, totally out of his freaking mind. Like, let me ask you this, because you have been on Fox News. You, your, your profile is really blowing up, and that's a great thing for the country, great thing for you, great thing for OutKick and everything. Um, do you ever worry about people? Do you ever worry about what's going to happen if you show up somewhere? Are you at that point yet? Yeah, I mean, one thing is, uh, uh, people probably don't know this, but um, I'm actually in a big city right now, but I, I don't really go to big cities. I'm actually, I live in a real small area. Um, by and large, I don't think a lot of these people exist outside of certain like college campuses, newsrooms and big cities. But it is very interesting uh, speaking about the case with Tommy Laren last week. I mean, there is a threat of these people. Um, I, I don't know what status you have to be to, you know, be a, potential you know worry about it all but i think by and large most of america is not like this but it's very amplified in places like college campus campuses which i believe to be probably the most left-wing organizations anywhere especially what's going on these big universities right now where students are told over and over again that there is one way to look at society which, which makes them so toxic and i think malicious towards anyone who opposes what they're told is correct to me that's really the biggest danger we have is that people are not encouraged anymore to think independently they're encouraged to defend a position they're told to think i mean those are two things that are just complete opposites of each other and um, i mean that is so concerning to me especially um given the fact that society has told all these kids growing up that you go to a big university, you'll be more successful. You'll be so, so much more smart or smart, smarter. I mean, there's just no evidence of that. And it's so disappointing um, to look at that because a lot of these examples, including the Tommy case and what happened last night is stemming from college campuses and really radicalized students. Bobby, I want to get back to your article. We're, we're going to have midterms coming up. I anticipate, and I'm curious your thought, uh, racial hysteria to really ratchet up. I mean, we saw it last election cycle. Uh, you make the comment that the left relies on racial hysteria. Without it, Democrats couldn't demand a specific gender-race combo for a VP and a Supreme Court justice. And you make other references here. Do you anticipate the uh, racial hysteria to get ratcheted up here over the next, let's say, six weeks, eight weeks? Of course. Um, I made the case for a while that, probably for two years now, the left's greatest strength culturally or politically is they control forms of messaging, whether it be 
the media, social media, college campuses, like we just talked about. And there's no greater form of messaging than racial hysteria to tell people that these leaders are racist and dangerous and terrorists. Um, you see it right now, people calling Marjorie Taylor Greene um, white supremacist terrorist without any evidence of that. So, yeah, messaging is the Democrats' greatest strength, and racial hysteria is at the top of that pendulum right now of forms of messaging that they can use for their to their advantages. Um, I would say second right now is probably what's going on with Roe v. Wade. Um, I live in Michigan, and there's a commercial on pretty much every channel. Um, speaking of uh, the governor race here in Michigan about Tudor Dixon and her stance on abortion, um, it, it's, it's, you know, it's manipulation of the conversation to make it look like she's this wacky, out-of-touch zealot. Um, so messaging is the biggest story going into the midterms, whether it be racial hysteria or Roe v. Wade or the economy or immigration. Um, it all goes back to messaging. So that's been a focal point in a lot of the columns I've written the past few months about what is the messaging and who's controlling it. And by and large, it's the same groups controlling what's said on social media and the press and on TV and newspapers and so on and so forth. Bobby, that column that you wrote basically saying a private company is doing the Twitter and others are doing the dirty work for Biden. That's a really scary deal, is it not? Yes. I mean, the idea here, not idea. I mean, what's going on here is the government cannot suppress or censor the public due to the First Amendment. I mean, like Biden's government can't tell us, hey, we can't criticize him. But what's happened is Twitter and Facebook have done that. And people would push back and say, well, Twitter and Facebook are private companies, so they don't have to abide by the First Amendment. Thus, why when there's lawsuits against these big tech companies, judges have been reluctant to enforce that. I get all that. That's true. Twitter is not the government. So if they want to stop me from saying something, so be it. However, we know we now have proof that the White House has been in contact with Twitter and Facebook the past two years as they're censoring people who've criticized government mandates, the way they handle the vaccine. And just, I mean, there was even an email of Facebook telling, or the White House telling Facebook, hey, take down this parody account of Dr. Fauci. And they did it. So what we have there is Facebook and Twitter now acting as government agencies because they are taking cues from the government and doing it and in taking away free speech rights, all of a sudden that is a First Amendment issue. So they went from private companies to government agents, essentially, and if they're working on behalf of the White House, which all the leaked emails show, now the public can sue them as state actors because this becomes a First Amendment issue. So it's a big circle where right now the government has found a loophole to jump over the First Amendment by having Twitter and Facebook censor critics of their rule for them. That's a very scary thing because that, that's giving them more power to censor and suppress us than they've ever had because never before has there been an institution like big tech that has been able to silence so many critics by just a click of a button. So yeah, major story. And I think... Um, it's, it's the greatest threat to free speech we've had because the newspapers couldn't silence us. The TV networks couldn't silence us, but social media can. And if they're working on behalf of the White House, 
That's the government silencing us. Totally different issue. Do you think these things will work? Do you think the Democrats will not, you know, a lot of people are predicting, wow, the Republicans are going to take everything over. Do you think that these tactics still work and they're still effective? Yeah, I'm skeptical of some of that. I know people say Republicans are going to just sweep everything or win the House and the Senate. Um, I would say, again, it goes back to that form of messaging that I think there's a lot of voters that don't really know the truth and they see stuff and say, hey, Republicans are telling women and preventing women all over from having an abortion. I don't think a lot of voters, particularly under a certain age, know that overturning a Rome merely just gives um, abortion laws back to the states. It, does, it doesn't ban abortions. It doesn't even tell states to do anything. It just tells the states, okay, you make your own laws. But again, back to messaging, that is not messaging. So who knows what, say, people that spend all day on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, I mean, their interpretation of Roe v. Wade is likely so much different than reality that I think that could really help Democrats in 2022, just because, again, they're controlling the prevailing narrative on these issues, which often is not an accurate um, description of the event. You working on anything else right now? Uh, not right this second. Uh, I'm, I got a couple of story ideas that I'm thinking about diving into this weekend. One of them um, is the evolution of the outrage mob and how powerful they become and how frightened so many people are of them. But I haven't started that yet. But I think it's an interesting story seeing so many people shy away from saying what they want or telling the truth because they're so afraid of just being ambushed and piled on by social media and blue check influencers and all that. Um, that's a story that at some point I want to dive into and really see what's going on here and why people are so afraid of them. Because I, because I don't think we should be afraid of them. I think by and large, the outrage mob is much smaller than it seems to be. I think they're cowardly, shallow. And I think when you punch them back in the face, they don't have a counterpunch. Oh, man, do I agree with that? You've always said, I've always said, a lot of people have always said, never apologize to those clowns. I mean, just don't do it. I mean, don't even, when you do it, you're just giving in to them. You're giving them what they want, and then they move on to the next. Oh, hell no. Bobby, appreciate you, man. Thank you for everything. Thanks for coming on. All right, Dan. Talk soon. Love having Bobby Barack on. I do. I think he's America's conscience. I think he's the only person that has the stones and the unbiased approach. Now, people are going to say, well, he's biased one way. You read them. Read them and then tell me. You know, people hear something, and I already saw it on Twitter here. People hear something, and, of course, their bias checks in. Their bias becomes uh, obvious. All right, what do we got here? What, who's the woke adope of the day, fellas? What, who, who we got? I want to see some woke adope clownage. I need clownage here to end the show. Uh-oh. Oh, oh, wait a second. We got no picture. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What did I miss? What did I miss? I want to see it. Oh, yeah, Jeff Perlman. Jeff Perlman came after our friend Clay Travis. Oh, my God. And then, of course... 
uh, he deleted it. He went with the whole, you have no integrity. No integrity. As he was uh, showing how little integrity Jeff Perlman had. Jeff Perlman came at me. He came at me when I was exposing a lie. He came at me as I was exposing an article in the Indianapolis Star and literally the lie that was told about me was being exposed with my high school coach. And Perlman, I don't know what's happened to Dan. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, man, he did. He came at Clay, and Clay just crushed his soul. He said, uh, wait a second, I had it up here a minute ago, and then it went away. Yeah, this is Clay Travis's fate, and he compared him to Rush Limbaugh. You know who they, they all hang out, right? We, we all know, right? Jeff Perlman, you got Rex Chapman, you got all these little clowns that hang out. Good for them. Go get us. Go get us. Yeah, go get us, sexy Rexy and Jeff Perlman and all the rest. What are we doing? Seriously, what are we doing? Hey, do yourself a favor. Do yourself a monster favor and... Watch Aaron Judge and tell me if I'm not right. Tell me if I'm not right that Aaron Judge is the best role model in sports. He answers questions every day. He's under immense pressure. He doesn't make it about himself. His teammate Giancarlo Stanton just came out and said, look, we had to push him out there to take a curtain call. And Judge is like, why am I taking a curtain call? It's a solo shot in a game we were losing. And then, of course, Stanton hits a home run. And next thing you know, blah, 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 blah. They win the game. And he is literally, like, he is by far the best role model in sport. All you got to do is wake up every day and see clowns on ESPN like, was that guy's name Clark and Foxworthy and Orvlosky and all these guys trying so hard to be something, trying so hard to be interesting. And all this guy did was bet on himself, hit himself some home runs, acted in a way that everybody, I don't even know, if you don't like him, I cannot help you. Everybody got to like him. I don't know how you can't. I don't know how you can't. If you don't like Aaron Judge, that's on you. He is the best example of how to go about being a professional athlete that currently resides in professional sports. And don't give me that crap about, well, because he's not political. No, because he's humble. He's the best at it. He's handled pressure better than anyone possibly could. There's no drama. Aren't we all just a little bit tired of player drama? Aren't we just a little bit a skosh? I know I am. I've had enough of drama with players. I've had enough of even mini drama. I've had enough, what do you call it, microaggressions? I've had enough of microaggression mini baby drama. Last thing. Happy birthday to the love of my life, my beautiful wife, the lovely, the uber-talented, hot as hell but cooler than she is hot, the lovely Lee Ross Dockage. We call her L-L-R-D, lovely Lee Ross Dockage. 
I used to call her by her maiden name, the lovely Lee Ross Shaw Dockage, L-L-R-S-D. I used to go and throw her maiden name in there. I figure after seven years of marriage, I can lose that. But it is my wife's birthday. I'm incredibly proud of my wife. She's the best softball analyst in television. She works for the Big Ten Network. She's the best mother, the best wife, the best friend. You name it, she's the best at it. And I got to tell you, at 60 years old, I can't wait to come home every day. I get to come home to my best friend. That's right. And that's not a cliche. That's a fact, Jack. So I'm going to go upstairs right now, give her a kiss, drive to the, I got to go to uh, the Pacers golf outing, not to play golf, to broadcast my show. Uh, And I can't wait to get home and celebrate and take her out to dinner. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. It's a great day. Yeah, catch more at OutKick.com. It is fast becoming, and I'm very proud to be a part of it. It is fast becoming the number one go-to sports website. You want sports, you want politics, you want Bobby Barak, you want great want football predictions, you want football scores, we got it all there. There's nowhere else for you to go. Like, I follow these other websites, and they're garbage. OutKick is done by professionals. Every moment of every day, these folks care about this website. Gary and the rest do a phenomenal job. Do yourself a favor. Go to that and thank me later. Send me a text. Well, if you have my number. I'm not giving you my number. Send me a freaking email. At Dan at, no, 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 Daniel.Dockich, Daniel.Dockich, D-A-K-I-C-H, at Radio-1.com, Daniel.Dockich at Radio1.com. Hope everybody has a wonderful day. Happy birthday to my beautiful wife. We'll talk to you tomorrow.